Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking this week about redemption. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 12. We're talking about how God chose to redeem us through the blood of his son, Jesus. And in him, we have redemption through the blood of Jesus. And what an exciting message where God comes and chooses to purchase us back from the auction block of sin, to pay the price for our sin through the blood of his son, Jesus. And several things we learned today in Sunday service about how he, in his love, predestined us to be adopted into his family as sons and daughters. Ahead of time, he made a way for us to come into the family of God. And we don't come as orphans that are hanging out with some family in their house. He says, no, I'm making you legitimate sons and daughters through the blood of Jesus. You've been redeemed. You're no longer what you were. Now you're something different entirely. Another thing that we talked about today was that if we decline the forgiveness that God has for us, if we can't forgive ourselves when he's forgiven us much, then we're saying that we're outside of or greater than the work of God. So we need to receive the forgiveness of God because of the blood of Jesus. And also, it's not something we do. We don't earn redemption. I know sometimes when we've done things that we feel like are inexcusable or unforgivable, we feel like we have to do something. We have to earn redemption. We have to make restitution. Listen, we love the best we can, but you cannot earn redemption. It can only be given because of the blood of Jesus. And that means we have to posture ourselves to receive what God is trying to give to us. In other words, cooperate with the love of God, cooperate with the heart of heaven, and allow him to pour into us the redemption that Jesus purchased on the cross. So we want to make sure that as we have this discussion today about redemption, that our hearts are open to understand what it is that God's trying to give to us and look a little bit deeper about what he has for you as a son and as a daughter. I'm excited to talk about this today. Okay, Tim, we've got another really important podcast yeah. topic to discuss. And last week we covered forgiveness on the first podcast, and this week we are covering forgiveness, but with a little bit of a different bent, and it's the focus of how God redeems us from our sin. Yes. All right, so sin and its effect have been a really profound concept in my mind. Yeah. Because not only do I do wrong, but if God can redeem me from sin and its effect, then that's a whole nother yeah. understanding. So redemption would essentially be like it never happened. Right. Like, I, I think some people feel like, uh, all right, we'll let it slide this time. Come on, but just don't do it again. That's not redemption. Right. Redemption is actually the blood of Jesus washing out and erasing, wiping out the handwriting of offenses that was against us, the Bible says. Like completely erased. Yeah. Like, just like it never happened. And that sea of forgetfulness that God talks about, where he casts our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. So it's as though we've, we're pure and clean and like we never did those things we needed to be redeemed for. Yeah. That's the power of redemption. It goes that far. Yeah, I've always liked how the Bible relates to grace and sin through almost currency and money. It's yeah. the wages of sin are death. Right. And that his the richness of his grace... Mm -hmm. That he lavished on us. Yeah. And so it kicks into this money idea, yeah. which I think is a pretty powerful emotional concept for us. Most of us don't have a wealth right. attached to us. So we can more so understand poverty yes. and destitution or things that are tight uh, and even debt. Yeah. So I really find it very interesting that as we talk about being redeemed from sin and its effect, that it relates to money. It yeah. relates to the currency of how we operate, that we've incurred a debt through sin, and this should be what we have earned, our earnings from it. Right. But that God comes in and he changes the the currency 
Yeah, and if you notice, it's not, we can earn the wages of sin is death. We can earn the punishment of sin by participating and cooperating with sin. We can't earn redemption or forgiveness. Right. So it's a currency we don't have and can't generate. Right. Which is a really weird emotional experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so we always talk about not being led by our emotions, right? And things like that as Christians. And we don't want to be emotional and we want to be spirit led. And so I see this effort, but the emotional experience yeah. that does happen yes. when you're truly receiving God's grace is pretty interesting. What's that been like for you on an emotional level to actually experience yeah. God's grace? I think, well, if we understand how God created us as triune beings body, soul, and spirit, and they each affect the other. And yeah. and I think sometimes when we talk about spiritual things, we try to stay, you know, you have to be led by the spirit and not be led by the flesh. Yes, led by the spirit. But my flesh is going to have a reaction when I'm led by the spirit. My mm -hmm. flesh experiences being led by the spirit. My soul, which is the mind, will, and emotions also has a reaction and has an experience when I'm led, when I'm spiritual things, when supernatural things are happening, there's a response in the other two areas. We're not completely divorced. Yeah. Like where there's overlap We're we're one. Yeah. And so if we, I think sometimes we get in trouble when we try to divorce the, what God's doing from our emotions or from our physical being, when it's all a part of it. That's why some people, God's doing a thing they're jumping up and down. Yeah. Like, or, you know, some people are on their face. There's a physical reaction and then emotionally as well. So for me, like when I had my heart attack and I survived, they talked about the depression that some people have when after a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't understand. I'm so grateful to still be alive. Yeah. I'm so grateful. And so yeah. redemption for me is similar. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for what Jesus has done in my life and, and how he deemed me worthy and he calls me beloved. Like it reaches the deep core of my being and I have yeah. this gratitude yeah. and I have this overwhelming sense of being loved and accepted. Like mm -hmm. those emotions are really super powerful. So then when sin comes knocking again, and I'm sitting in this place of gratitude yeah. and overwhelming, like I'm accepted, I'm loved. When sin comes knocking, they don't have anything better to offer oh. than what Jesus has already given me. Yeah. Whereas before it was like, oh, well, I guess it's the best I can do. These counterfeits and you know, all the offerings that sin had for me that were just the wrong solution. Mm -hmm. But when, when we've been made perfect in Jesus, when Jesus has come along, not saying I can't make sin or mistakes, but the mindset and the outlook I have is that what the world, what sin has to offer is empty because my heart is so fulfilled with the love of God and being accepted as a beloved son, Yeah, being forgiven, restored, redeemed. Yeah. So it's interesting the way this redemption relates to our sin Yep. and even post salvation, I accept Jesus. And now it gives a real understanding in Ephesians there, 1, 7, now okay, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, how as a Christian and a believer, does that practice actually land for me every single day? Yeah. And those, those moments where we have sins, and if we were to differentiate, not, uh, if we were to differentiate two different types of sins, not in terms of one being greater than the other, but in the different pattern of it. So pattern sins, habitual sins, yeah, stuff you can't get out of. You're in a rut and you keep doing what the old church again. called a besetting sin. Ooh, yes. Because Hebrew says in the King James, like set aside every weight, especially the sin that so easily besets us. Yeah. In other words, it hooks us. It trips us up. It's like a constant, like some people have that one thing, like, right. um, they're, they're not greedy, mm -hmm. 
but you don't trust them with your family. Right. Right. Yeah. Everybody's got a thing. Yeah. And so sometimes when you're talking about specific sins, people are like, well, I don't have a problem with that at all. But there's something like there's yeah. something that that would hook our hearts in some way. And like, oh, that that feels like a real that feels like something I might fall into. Yeah. Because it's a temptation for me. Yeah. And then the other sin would be these moments where we make a mistake and it's not necessarily something that we struggle with continually, right? But that we recognize, like, oh, that that wasn't right. Oh, how'd I get here? I missed the mark there, and <laughs> yeah. And then we quickly, yes, we quickly repent and adjust. So those two different things there. This idea of applying the blood of Jesus, yeah, to a besetting sin, yeah, to a like, wow, this is I, I can't ending up here, and I can't figure my way out, yeah. And I'm using all of my faculties, yeah. all of my understandings. Um, so I want to focus on this yeah. pattern in our life because I think it's the one that needs the most aid yes. for us for when we're experiencing these patterned, like it owns me right. stuff. What's the approach here that you would teach for this? Yeah. Well, I, I live this. Yeah. Uh, and our our biggest and probably the most common example we have is a struggle that I had with pornography. Uh, you know, two and a half decades of my life, you know, from teens until, you know, I was almost 40. And there were times in my life where I thought I'm good. Like it had been a year or more and I hadn't had a problem and I was good. And then all of a sudden there it was again. Yeah. And so it was that besetting sin, that pattern sin, that, that, that addiction cycle. But mm -hmm. I kept having these periods of, of liberty and I thought, Oh, I'm finally past this thing. Yeah. But then when it showed up again, I feel like I didn't have power to overcome it. Mm. So the first thing I would say is we don't have limited currency when we're dealing with addictive patterns, besetting sins or patterns of sin. Mm -hmm. The blood of Jesus isn't going to run out because this is your 105th time of right. making the same mistake. Right. Right. So I don't have like a limited supply. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus gave me a little don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> I don't have a limitation on like Jesus <laughs> Blood is enough yeah. to cover as far as my sin pattern goes. Yeah. All right. So that's as an encouragement, not as an excuse, but as an encouragement for the number of times you've blown it. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times, but gets up again. It doesn't say gets up eight times. So that's the limit. There's no limit. Yeah. He falls, he gets up again. He yeah. falls, he gets up again. He falls, yeah. he gets up again. Yeah. So there's no limit to the blood of Jesus in overcoming these patterns of sin. The second thing I would say is every time I went after the pattern of sin in my life, what I thought I was fighting against, that symptom wasn't actually the thing that I was fighting against. Yeah. There was a root cause somewhere in my soul, yeah. wrong belief, a lie I'd picked up, yeah. uh, a stronghold the enemy had planted back right. when I was a child that yeah. God needed to go in to reveal and uproot that taproot so yeah. that this symptom could be dealt with. Yeah. So a lot of times the pattern of sin that we see is actually a symptom of something else. Right. Yeah. Well, that's really good because that sin, there's a gratification mm -hmm. that we see met in it. That's what so, I think so trippy about sin uh, patterns is that they are actually meeting a need. Yeah. And maybe we don't want to admit that. Yes. Right. That this actually meets an emotional need for yeah. me or it meets a desire need, a lust capacity. It's actually meeting a need yep. that I have yet to learn to have met by God. Right. So how does somebody transfer having a need met by sin for yeah. lustful things to having it met by the Lord? I think we're, we're really, uh, we're all over the message for next week about sin, but 
what it looks like is we have to have our minds transformed in our understanding mm. that when sin comes, they're offering us something that is a counterfeit for what God has for us. Mm. So very often sin gets us in areas where there is a legitimate need we were created with. God created us with a need uh, for sleep, for food. He created us as sexual beings. So we have that sex drive. There's yep. a need there. Um, there are needs legitimately God created us with, and then he has a, a supply to meet that need. Mm -hmm. When we go outside of God's supply and we tap into the enemy's supply, now mm. we're on counterfeit territory. We're eating the wrong thing. Yeah. We're, we're filling ourselves with the wrong fuel mm -hmm. and now we're trapped by sin. Mm. So I found over my experience and the experience of others we worked with that it's usually he offers protection or comfort. Yeah. It gets us 99% of the time in one of those two ways. Mm. He's protecting us from something, from rejection, from yeah. hurt, abandonment, fear, yeah. whatever or he's comforting us from some sort of pain. Yeah. And often, very often, if we can not only find comfort in God, but then go to find the source and root of the pain and let God heal that, mm -hmm. then we, we aren't driven to find these counterfeit solutions, these comforts and protections that, that we won't need apart from Jesus. Yeah. So somewhere in our heart, we believe Jesus isn't enough or Jesus can't apply to this area because I only know to go to this trash that I've been eating. I only know that this is the thing that meets this need. Right. But it never fulfills. It never satisfies. Never it never fulfills the promise that it came with. Yeah. And that's where the cycle begins. Yeah. Well, and it's like with In Little Mermaid, too, when you know, Ursula, the octopus queen lady, you know, she's like, hey, I'll, you'll get this. You get what you and want. It's true. But there's always that little sneaky yeah. cost to sin gratification. Yes. Is it, is it takes your voice. It takes things that you're like, wait, but I didn't know that was on the list I didn't bargain for that. And you feel regretful, shameful. You don't know if you can get it back. Yes. And this redemptive arc. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because it, it seems to be that people, including myself, will reject it because of a sense of unworthiness. Yeah. Like, well, I don't think I deserve, have I done it? I don't, <laughs> yeah. And there's this unworthiness, you know, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. That kicks in. Yeah. And I see so many people ensnared in that idea, remain in that idea. Yes. And it never gets better because if you're rejecting God's blood to redeem you because yes. you don't feel like you deserve it, then sin tends to worsen when you're apart from God. It seems to intensify. And, and that's the mind shift. Like yeah. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, I am trading all the places where my bad theology, my lies, misunderstandings, my own human reasoning, I'm trading all that junk for the truth of God. So when we feel unworthy, we're not worthy because we're not the ones that can pay the price. Mm -hmm. We are worthy to the degree that God Almighty, knowing everything at every time, said, you are worthy to me to spend the lifeblood of my son in order to have you as my son and daughter. Yeah. So he deemed us worthy. We're not worthy, yeah. but yeah. God looked and said, you're worth it. Yeah, I got you. Right? <laughs> yeah. So when we stay in that unworthiness pattern, like in our sin, when we're fully participating locked arms with sin, we're in an unworthy state. Yeah. And then God comes and he says, while we were still enemies, while we were weak, when we could do nothing, Christ died for us. Like he yeah. sent the savior before we even knew we needed a savior. Yeah. Like he was ahead of the game. Yeah. But once he's pulled us out of that identity, yeah. and now we're in the identity of a son and daughter, the biggest lie the enemy wants us to live in is the unworthiness that I'm still a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. Like I'm still the sinner. 
Yeah. Thank God for grace, but I better keep this grace covering over me or if it slips off, I'm in trouble. Like that's a lie. Yeah. And to the degree we believe the lie, the enemy has influence to trip us up. Hmm. When we begin to believe and understand what the Bible says in Corinthians, Paul says, Jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God on the mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. We became the righteousness of God. Why? Because it was imputed to us by the cross. That's redemption. When he, when it's so complete that there is nothing about us that God condemns, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans yeah. 8, 1. Yeah. When we start to believe that, we start to live it. Yeah. But when we don't believe it, like if I believe, I used to say this all the time when I, when I came, when I overcame porn and I began to look back and realize, oh, I also had a rage and anger and I also had anxiety and fear and suicide would come once in a yeah. while to, to tempt me. Like there's yeah. all these crazy things that I was under. When I look back and I realize it, when I believed I was a piece of crap, I did piece of crap things. Yeah. So even sons and daughters of God, if we have this nagging fear that I'm actually not good, I'm actually not worthy. Yeah. We're going to live that way. We're going to act that way. We're going to do not good and unworthy things. Yeah. But if we get to understand who God says we are, we sang it this morning. I am who you say I am. Well, who does he mm -hmm. say we are? The mm -hmm. righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Holy, acceptable, yeah. forgiven, yeah. redeemed. Mm -hmm. So when we believe that and we and the problem is when you start walking that way, other people in church will look at you and go, well, that's just pride, brother. You can't walk like that. No, I'm, I'm actually believing what God said. That's not yeah. my pride. Yeah. I'm nothing special. Mm -hmm. He just loves me. Yeah. So I can live free because he loves me. Yeah. And that tilting point too, somebody will measure it and go, but how could I say that that's what I am when this is what my behavior up till now has shown? Yeah. And because it's not up to you. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into the conversation. Okay. Let's talk about it then. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I would recommend if you, so then make your language clear up till now. Yeah. This is what I've done up till now. This is how I've behaved. Yeah. But when you start to uh, subscribe it to or prescribe it to your future, that's when you get to, into a real issue. Yes. Because your transformation is supposed to begin from the present moment going forward. Yeah. Whatever has been your history of sin and pattern. Yeah. There's, a, there's an intentionality over warfare in the moment where you must go, I can recognize my sin. I can recognize my pattern. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to have this be the, a delineating moment yeah. where I shift into believing and walking in what God says I am. Yes. So it's not fraudulent. It's no. not some kind of like, I'm going to say something that I am not. I'm just going to pretend. A, right. Exactly. It's a claim over your present yeah. going into your future. Right. And that, that is a crucifixion dying yeah. moment. Yeah. That's where we die to what was in the past. We're yep. dying to it. And now going forward, I'm living this new life that Christ came to us. So the better we get at dying, yeah. like, because when, when the pattern comes or the old things come and they're, and they're present and the offer is being made, I'm going to die to that. And I'm going to come alive to what Jesus is yes. offering. So I always look for, okay, Jesus, what do you have? Cause I know this isn't it. This yeah. isn't the answer. Yeah. So I die. Yes. I die. <laughs> I, I crucify that and I come alive. Whenever we choose to die to the thing that used to fuel us, new life springs out. Yeah. Because that's the promise of the cross, yep. the cross and the resurrection. But you got to trust it. Yes. You got to trust that in that present moment, you can go from uh, the, your old man enslaved to sin yep. to your new man alive in Christ. Yeah. And it really is as simple as a moment. Yeah. And it yeah. seems unimaginable that a moment can be the converting agent of your life. Right. 
but it is. Yes. It's simply a moment that you choose to believe a different narrative, believe a different label, yeah. an assignment on your life, and then you change your master Yeah. in yeah. a moment. It's like when Paul said you're saved by faith through mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Saved by faith, grace through faith. I mean, it's grace and faith. Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Th- those are the two. So it's when I exercise my faith and grace is enacted, the grace is always available, but until yeah. I put my faith in the grace, like yes. I basically yield to it. Okay, I choose to believe it. It's yes. released over my life. And all of a sudden I have a grace to live righteously. Yeah. Which means the power, the ability. You know, what I love what you said today about how grace rules and reigns. Yeah. Right. It's not just a get out of jail free card. Yeah. <laughs> grace is actually ruling and reigning yeah. in the love of God in our lives. Yeah. So we become that. And it, I think it's beautiful, too. I know we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but one of the definitions of grace is the beauty of movement. Mm-hmm. So when we're ruled mm-hmm. by grace, the things we do and say, there's beauty in how we live and how we act and how we speak and how we love. Yeah. There's beauty released because yeah. of the grace of God that's on our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of the first, I've always talked about grace as not only being this excusal idea, but more than that, it empowers you. Yeah. Right. But that word reign today, grace reigns. Romans 6 talks about grace reigns. Yes. It's such a profound concept that... You know, it actually takes, uh, allows the power of God as a king and a ruler to exercise its authority over those things that have enslaved me. Yes. Yes. You're and trading kings. Huge. For the besetting sin situation that people experience, which I think if a person's honest, they can, you you should be able to feel that you are under the, the rulership of another thing. Yes. It owns you. Because you feel like you have no power over No this. power. You've tried. You can't. You're enslaved. Yep. You are in slavery to sin when you're in these places and y'all should, we should recognize it and see it. Yes. And then invite a different master in. Yes. To liberate us. And another one of the beautiful things that you said this morning about grace was that God doesn't produce redemption through punishment. Right. Right. Because you can't earn it. Like we couldn't beat you hard enough to pay for things that you've done. So Jesus did that Mm -hmm. because he could. Yeah. Like he was able to. And so it's not through punishment. It's not through grounding. It's not through, I go through a period where I'm shunned and I'm, you know, unworthy and untouchable and I'm not allowed at the table. No, it's like you said, in a moment, Yeah. in a moment, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. The kingdom of his son, Jesus yeah. in a moment. Yeah. And then there's all these other moments, I think where, you know, when Jesus is knocking at the door and he knows everything that's in there, but he wants to come in anyway, he's transferring out of, out of those broken, sinful places into renewal and freedom and redemption over. That's the process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. So positionally, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Like God considers me perfect because of the blood of Jesus. And then practically mm-hmm. I'm walking through this process of redemption where, oh, here's another place. Yeah. Here's another place where part of me has to die so that life can spring forward yeah. and I change fuels. Mm-hmm. I, I change what I'm, what I'm feeding on and yeah. I choose to feed on the love and grace that Jesus is lavishing on me instead of the counterfeits the enemy was offering. And I, I think that's what, when Paul talks about, there's two places, one in Corinthians, he talked about going from glory to glory. Yeah. Like that's what that's talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, another place to glory. Oh, another place to glory. Yeah. And it's usually a place where he wipes out what was 
yeah. what I had been dragging along with me. And he gives me something brand new, life in his son. And then secondly, he says, work out your own salvation mm-hmm. with trembling and fear. In other words, now that I know I'm redeemed, now that I know I've been made righteous, this stuff doesn't belong here. Like, okay, I, this has to change. Yeah. So I'm working out what God has given me practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think sometimes people get tripped up over the, we have been saved from the power of sin. We are not free from the presence of sin. It's all around us, mm-hmm. right? It's it's here, yeah. but it has no power over us. So yeah. that shift to, okay, I'm free, but it's yeah. still there. Yeah. Oh, but it can't touch me. Yeah. And it can't control me. And I have power over it. You begin to understand that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hanging out. It's hanging out or being around the same slave master that is no longer your slave master. Yes. And he's still around. He still comes and shows up with other people that invited him to the party. But now he doesn't own you anymore. Yeah. And it's a different relationship. It's a there, different power dynamic. There was this moment. I, I, have you seen The Matrix? Oh. We're going back. Well, yeah. It's yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Absolutely. The end of the movie, the first movie, when Neo starts to believe yeah. Right. And the guys at the end of the hall, the agents are shooting at him. All three of them are just shooting at him. Yeah. And he just says, no. And the bullets stop. Yeah. In that moment, like in the theater, yeah. I felt like Holy Spirit was talking to me about <laughs> this is what it is, Tim. You yeah. have power over that. It doesn't have power over you. Yeah. And if you don't believe it, you would actually get shot. Yeah. Like, cause I don't believe it. And right. Oh, oh, it got me. Oh, ow. But because I believe it, I say no. Yeah. And I can stop the bullets midair and they drop to the ground harmless. Mm-hmm. It's that picture for me. Like I've held on to that over the years. Like it was such a powerful moment that I almost stood up and shouted in the theater. <laughs> you know, people thought I was like an insane fan, but it was like I was having a Holy Spirit Jesus moment <laughs> in the theater because I'm like, that's it. That's it. Like it pulled everything together for me right there. Yeah. The power of sin is broken. Yeah. It's still here, but it's got no power yeah. over it. It's a toothless lion. I did the same thing when I watched The Little Mermaid. Absolutely. Oh, I was like, yes! Freedom! I got my voice! <laughs> There's another moment in The Lion King. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you just go through all the Disney movies because there's so I think so that's many where God's truth, you find parallels to God's truth. They didn't mean it that way. Right. But God's totally. like, Meh, I'm going to talk to you through this anyway. And he brings truth He's out of place. He's a storyteller. Oh, yeah. He's a, their parables are he all He redeems even the stuff the world is producing, and he redeems it and puts a, a life message in it. Yeah, I for think. sure. Absolutely. But that's a whole other podcast. Absolutely. Well, that's really good. You got anything else you want to say about redemption? No, I, I think just the foundation of redemption, it starts with love of yeah. God, lavishing his grace on us, and through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. Like, he covered all the bases. Yeah. Like, the, there's no... There's no clause there that we'll get tripped up on if we mm-hmm. if we lean into what he has for us. And, and reading through uh, Ephesians chapter 1, if you just go through that over and over and over again, you'll see just how much he covered all the bases. It's like yeah. a legal document. Oh, yeah. And so we can hold that up and say, no. It's a, it's a ransom note. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Done and paid for. You got yeah. nothing on me. I owe you nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. Well, lovely. That's week two. Redemption. And focus on overcoming sin uh, for those things of forgiveness and the blood of Jesus. It's amazing. Enjoy your groups. Enjoy this time of study and growth with Jesus. We love you guys.